speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the sixth chapter. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I do not have to tell you, but our society tends to glamorize personal freedom and independence to the point that many people in our culture pride themselves in being free from politicians, free from pastors and parents and kings. We love, yes, we absolutely love, we love that idea of functioning like independent islands, disconnected from everyone else and reliant on no one. We will even boast. We'll boast about our freedom. I can do whatever I want. Whenever I want, I am free. I'm independent. I'm in control of my own universe. But here's the catch. While we boast of being independent, autonomous, and self-reliant, here's the catch. We will gladly and even forcefully make ourselves loyal subjects to kings, yes, kings who will do what we want them to do for us. Do not let this detail pass you by, dear friends. Take note, we say that we are independent, that we're free, autonomous, masters and commanders of our own tiny little universes, 
Yet at the same exact time, at the same exact time, we are quick to become loyal subjects to any king that will give us what we want. Now, when I use the term king, I'm referring to a leader, a commander, or someone who is above you and me. A king could be a politician or a teacher, a parent, a mayor, a governor, or someone else who has authority over you and me. And so we like the idea of being independent. We certainly do. We, we like being independent. We like to be free. But we also like that idea of having kings that will take care of us to do what we want them to do for us. Unfortunately, though, there are many so-called kings that do exactly what the masses want. For example, everyone knows that there are politicians who do not have an ounce of integrity but only vote in ways to make their own voters happy. Everyone can easily spot those churches in town. Yes, those churches in town where the only goal of the pastor is to tickle the ears. Yes, tickle the ears of parishioners to increase Sunday attendance. And while increasing attendance, making parishioners feel spiritually warm and fuzzy within. Everyone knows those parents Yes, those parents that let their kids do whatever they want because the parents are too afraid of their kids, of their kids not liking them. You get the picture, friends. Yes, you do indeed get the picture. Now, if these kings are not bad enough, we loyal subjects, yes, we loyal subjects are just as bad. Indeed, we're just as bad for we often set our kings up for failure. We whine and we complain and we beg our kings to serve the God of our bellies, our gut, our appetites. We expect that it is their job to make us happy and to grant us pleasure. We say, gimme and gimme, 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 I want, I want, I need, I need, gimme some more. And so, when kings lose their backbone and integrity falls out of their character, well, these kings, they allow themselves to be imprisoned to the foolish desires and the dreams and the aspirations of their subjects. And when we, when we followers, do not demand our kings to have a backbone, but only want them to fill our bellies with pleasure, well, you can imagine not much good comes from this. Now, if you listen carefully to the gospel reading from this morning, it should be evident that what has been described thus far, what we've described thus far, is the exact predicament, the exact predicament described in the gospel of John, the sixth chapter, namely verse 15. In a reading from the gospel of John, Jesus had been healing the sick and multiplying food to fill hungry bellies. However, the crowd saw Jesus' miracles as something to satisfy their hunger, to satisfy their hungry bellies, and fulfill their entertainment desires. And so the crowd wanted to make Jesus their king by force. But here's the catch. They did not want Jesus to be a king according to God the Father, according to the divine plan of who Jesus actually is and what he came to accomplish. But they wanted to have Jesus as their king according to their own desires. And if Jesus did not agree to their demands and their expectations of what they wanted him to be, well, they had already had that figured out with a plan. They would seize him. 
They would seize him and force him to do what they wanted, to carry him off with their own purposes. Let's just be honest. We want what we want, and we want it right now. But if we can get a politician, a teacher, and perhaps a parent to bow down and get us what we want, well, then we are most glad to have them as our king. If one of these kings worships the God of our bellies, we can then show them a bit of respect and a little bit of love. Not too much, though. Just enough to keep them serving our guts and our desires, our appetites. But if they do not bow down to our sinful appetites, we may have to manipulate or force them to do so, much like that crowd. See, dear friends, we love politicians who give us what we want. We love pastors who tell us what we want to hear. We love parents who let us do what we want. Those who are like kings, yes, those who are like kings are always appreciated, always loved and approved by us when they act the way that best serves the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. However, when these kings do not do what we want, say what we want, or act the way that we want, well, we no longer appreciate them. We no longer love them or approve of them. We are forced to take things into our own hands and make them be the kings that we want them to be. Now, keep in mind, though, yes, keep in mind that we can be moderately successful at this we as a society know we know how to grumble we know how to complain we even know how to threaten leaders to get our own way but here's the catch here's the catch of all of this it does not work with jesus this does not work with christ it does not work with christianity Mark this, dear friends, parishioners that take their pastor by force, manipulate the pastor, and force him to tickle their ears from the pulpit, it is not a Christian church. When this happens, it is not a Christian church, but a spiritually bankrupt, religious empty can. Sermons that tickle ears are not words of life and truth unto everlasting life, but typically are narcissistic nonsense, filthy, filthy narcissistic nonsense that poisons souls unto damnation. And a church that tries to seize Jesus by by force and make him into a king that answers to the congregation's bidding, this is not a church, but a circus mob. Christ, mark this, Christ is not some sort of genie in a bottle, a genie in the bottle where where we rub that bottle to, to conjure up Christ to answer all the appetites of our gut, all of our wishes. Jesus is not like a vending machine that dispenses spiritual cotton candy by the press of a button, by pressing his buttons. Jesus does not have to jump when we say jump. When Simon says sit, Well, guess what? Jesus does not listen to Simon. He does not, indeed, answer to Simon. Frankly stated, unlike some politicians and pastors and parents, Jesus is not manipulated by our whining and our complaining and our begging, or by our force. He is not naively brought into the trap of us making him our own tiny king by force. Furthermore, unlike some politicians and pastors, and parents, Christ will never become the sinful king that we want him to be because he does not, he does not kneel to worship the God of our gut, 
and the appetites of our bellies. Dear friends, what this all means is that we need to repent. You and I together, we need repentance. Repent of the times that you and I only want Jesus to be our king according to our set of rules, our expectations, and especially our sinful desires. Repent, one and all. Repent of the hypocrisy. Repent of the hypocrisy of saying that you and I are independent and then at the same time grabbing the king to suit our own fancy. Hypocrisy at best. Repent. And for those of you leaders here today, repent of the times that you do not fulfill your vocation with a backbone of integrity, doing what is good, right, and salutary. But instead, when you give into the foolish demands of the mob and the masses, remember that nine times out of ten, the demands of the mob and the masses are not rooted in truth and justice and mercy, but in the God of their gut. God, have mercy on us. Yes, repent, each and every one of you. Repent with me. And repent and hear the good news. Hear the good news today, and that is this. Jesus will not and cannot succumb to our tactics to seize him. Jesus is not for sale to the highest bidder or the loudest whiner. Christ will not bow down to the sinful appetites of mankind. He is not going to be strong-armed. He is not going to be bullied. He's not going to be pressured. He does not really care about what our sinful desires want, but is more concerned with what you and I actually need as sinners. Think of it this way for a moment. That great crowd that we heard about this morning, they wanted to seize Jesus to make him a king according to their desires. But their desires of making him a king were actually so incredibly limited. What they wanted was to take him to Jerusalem, get this, to be a messianic king over a tiny, insignificant little Roman empire. But a mere messianic king over a tiny world empire really accomplishes nothing. It accomplishes absolutely nothing it accomplishes nothing over mankind's biggest problems of sin and death and the devil himself. This is the reason why Jesus withdrew from their scheming and their planning to seize him as their king. Their plans were too short-sighted. Their plans were too narrow-minded. Christ had more to give than mere physical healings and simple bread. And the same is for you and me. Christ is bigger than our tiny, insignificant desires. He has more to give than we can ever imagine. And so what this means is that you and I have a Savior that is greater than all the little tiny things that we want. Think about that for a moment. Let that sink in. You have a Savior that is greater than your limited desires. You and I, we want entertainment. Ah, but we're given so much more. We're given a bloody cross. We're given the forgiveness of sins. We're given life. We're given salvation. You and I, we want our bellies to be satisfied, but we're given so much more. We're given an empty tomb. Look and see, he is not there. He's not among the dead. He is resurrected, which means that you and I will resurrect someday as well. Baptized saints, 
Mark this, Jesus is not the king that you and I want according to our own sinful desires, but he is the king that you and I actually need. And not only the king that you and I actually need, but the king that you and I actually have right now in this moment. He's the king who pours his word into your ears in the holy absolution. He's the king who marks you as the redeemed, reminding you of your baptisms, that he's snatched you from darkness unto the light. He is the king that invites you today to this altar with open hands to receive his goodness and his grace, the forgiveness of all of your sins, as he is placed into your belly, as he is placed in your belly for forgiveness, life, and salvation. And so we rejoice, we're content. We say thanks be to God that Christ indeed is not the king that you and I want, but the king you and I need and presently have. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thy